Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. I'm Adam Best, here as always with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. What are you thinking, Sterling? Big news just dropped, right? Second week in a row, big receiver news drops right before we go on the air. Throws a huge curveball on our plans. We got to talk about the Jet going to the Jets, right? Yeah, I'm thinking I need to get in shape. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that I need to get in shape and start to uh, try out, get my your hands warmed up to be a wide receiver for the Chiefs because uh, with McCall Hardman going to the New York Jets, uh, slim pickings. Slim pickings for Kansas City. We we kind of knew McCole Harden was probably on his way out, but with the wide receiver market the way it is, with Juju Smith-Schuster going to the Patriots, we're sitting here saying, all right, well, who's left? Uh, McCole Harden, one-year deal with the Jets up to $6.5 million. Frankly, I don't know about you, Adam, but that's less than I thought he was going to get. If you are a fan of Spotrek, Spotrek had his AAV right around $10 million per season. He had about a four-year, $40-plus million contract coming his way. Well, that's not the case. The entire market has been tampered down. They understood what transpired last offseason. That did not carry over. He took a prove-it deal in New York, and now he's going to have to prove it with a couple guys, pretty big-name guys, ahead of him in the pecking order. Yeah, I think right out of the bat, um, right out of the gate with that Jacoby Myers contract, you saw that the league was determined to get these wide receiver contracts from their perspective under control. So I'm not surprised, especially considering that he had sort of this mysterious core injury that cost him the second half of the season. He couldn't play in the playoffs. He tried to gut it out. Didn't work. Uh, a, A little weird from the Jets perspective. What I take solace out of from this entire situation is that Elijah Moore was available. So I've been saying for about a month that Elijah Moore is available. I've also been saying that there are receivers who are available that Veach knows about and is inquiring about that we don't ha- we're not privy to that information. Same, uh, the same thing happened last year where AJ Brown kind of got traded out of nowhere. So I think there are going to be discussions to be had. I don't know if that's hey Michael Pittman who we'll get to later or uh, any name you could conceive who might be available. I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet. Uh, Brett Veach certainly is not hitting the panic button when it comes to his own free agents. I just let them all walk, right? Yeah. I, again, uh, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, two names on the Jets who are probably going to either be traded or released in the the coming days. We saw Elijah Moore, as you mentioned, go to, uh, go to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, 
Hardman again, I, I'm I'm sad he's gone because he was a integral part of this team. Was he a superstar? Did he deserve to go before guys like DK Metcalf? No, but he was better than I think some folks give him credit for. He he made some big plays here and there. His situation was obviously cloudy uh, with the Tyreek Hill situation. No idea if he would have been the pick if Tyreek Hill uh, if if that situation ever transpired was was McCall Hardman still going to be the pick? We will never know. We will never get a clear answer here. But he was a, a valuable piece to this team, uh, part of two championships. Uh, tip your cap, give him some credit, but he is off to New York. Uh, I am a little surprised the Chiefs wouldn't bring him back. The Chiefs obviously love the have these familiar faces. They always seem to bring these dudes back, especially on cheap deals. This offseason has been a little different. It's been a little different here. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they would have matched. I'm not sure what the conversations were like between McColl and the Kansas City Chiefs in general. But one year, $6.5 or should I say up to $6.5 million, Feels like some of the Chiefs should have or could have brought him back on. Uh, I guess I'm a little uh, a little question marks remain for for seeing what he was going for. I wonder what the medicals really end up looking like. Sure, yeah, I, I agree. I think one thing to keep in mind is that Kadarius Tony. I'm not here to disparage McColl. He was an important part of a couple of championship runs. He uh, was a dangerous red zone weapon the start of this season, probably the, the first half of this season. And if you remember back in 2019, he kind of came along the second half of that season, had the huge punt return in that Texans game where we fell way behind. So he's been an important part of the roster. Did he ever really become what we hoped a player picked in between A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf would become? No, he did not. That's a little unreasonable to to throw those expectations on him. And now Kadarius Tony, in my opinion, is a more complete version of the same player. So he's expendable. I hate to say that, but I think we're looking forward. Both CEH and Cole represent an era where I don't think Veach was as confident or as competent in the draft as he is now. And I'm happy to turn the page on that era. Yeah, uh, we wish him all the best. Uh, I Again, I'm shocked he's taking a prove-it deal on a team that has two guys clearly above him in Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson. Obviously, Elijah Moore going to the Browns does open up some um, some reps for him because I think Elijah Moore, in my opinion, is a younger, probably more talented version of McColl. Uh, again, we'll see what happens with Denzel Mims. He's 6'3", so keep your eyes out for the 6'3". Denzel Mims, second rounder from Baylor. And then Corey Davis, the Jets can save $10.5 million against the salary cap if Davis is cut or released. So just something to keep in mind there, two names on the Jets that could uh, could spark some fancy in Brett Veach's eye. I want to touch on Elijah Moore before we move on. Don't you think we had to be in on that? My worry with AFC potential trade partners is that they're sitting here looking at if you're the Jets and you're bringing in Aaron Rodgers to try to make a Super Bowl, you're not going to send a skill weapon to the Chiefs. You're not going to let Elijah Moore go and rehabilitate his career in Kansas City. So I think it may be harder than we recognize for us to get a deal done for this kind of player. I don't know. Maybe Veach was out on him. He's, this seems like the perfect kind of Brett Veach reclamation project. Uh, it's a little frustrating when we're sitting here begging on our hands and knees for receiving help. It was essentially a pick swap, right? The Browns uh, give, up, no, give up their second. It's 42 for 74. It's a, it's a second rounder. For, it's what's 42 for Elijah Moore in 74. So it's it's not quite a pick swap. It's a, it's a full. Yeah, he was a top 40 pick, though. So, I mean, I, I would pay that in a heartbeat. No, I would, too. I, I'm a big fan of Elijah, of Elijah Moore. Uh, one of my good film analyst friends, Daniel Harms, um, He's always been all in on Elijah Moore, and I, I trust those film analysts. I, I always trust those guys because they, they break it down. They understand the wiggle. They look at the hips. They look at everything. So uh, I've been high on Elijah Moore, so we'll see. I think it was a good move for Cleveland, but maybe he wanted to get out of New York. Maybe the Jets thought they wanted to have a more veteran guy. And again, Elijah Moore, McCole Hardman, they are a little redundant at what they do. As we are saying goodbye to McCole Hardman, we are saying hello to a brand new beer. That is right. Never say never. All right. Casey Beerco, the best sponsor. They always said they would never release an IPA, but guess what? 
They just brewed one so good, they broke their own rules. Never say IPA, newest beer, and the first IPA to hit the KC Beer lineup. The beer is a celebration of German and American brewing traditions using both German and American hops, as well as German malt and yeast. I have not had a chance to try it yet. I've been very bummed out because I have been sick. But when I get healthy, when I'm 100%, you better believe your ass. I'm heading right down to KC Beer Co., picking some up. I'm going to crush some. They look really good, and we've heard nothing but outstanding reviews. It's another great beer from the award-winning brewery. So, again, go to Casey Beer Co. Look for this Never Say IPA. Please try it. And when you do, feel free to tag us. Feel free to tag them. It means the world to us. It means the world to them. Uh, Again, we love this collaboration we are building with Casey Beer Co. Please drink responsibly, 21 and over. We're going to do something a little different today. One segment, the entire show, it is called CSI Kansas City. Together, Sterling and I will investigate some of the more mysterious cases of the offseason. Welcome to CSI Kansas City. Hey, Benny, you want to ask this guy some questions? Hi, what is this? What's this arrangement? Mr. Drysdale. CSI KFC? (laughs) (laughs) So we just lost a receiver, but are we gaining one? Because all the hype yesterday surrounded the curious case of Justin Ross. I've seen people talking about him in the chat. This is probably overdue to dig in on Justin Ross. So let's start here with a health update. He's training and looking pretty good. I wouldn't say 100%, but he looks to be progressing after spitting last season on the pup list. Why was he on the pup list? Well, he's dealing with a few things. The first is a congenital fusion of the upper cervical spine and a surgical fusion a level below. That's why he didn't get drafted. That is kind of an unprecedented injury where a lot of teams wouldn't clear him. The Chiefs, the Chiefs, you know, they they've got a pretty good staff there. He also had a, a one of his feet has needed two surgeries to correct a stress fracture. So that is what sidelined him last year. He got it repaired and played on it his last season at Clemson and he was just never right came into training camp didn't feel like himself they decided to shelve him and get this thing fixed for once uh, once and for all so let's look back at his college production in 2018 as a true freshman playing alongside Trevor Lawrence he was a monster and if he would have been able to come out as a true freshman what do you think Sterling uh, we're talking potential top 10 pick at that at that point in time sure yeah his first two years at Clemson were incredible 14 games both years combined for 1865 yards combined for 17 touchdowns he was outstanding but then the injuries started to pile up and that's where my concern lies and I'm sure yours does too yeah we're talking about unprecedented injuries if you go from a potential top 10 pick to undrafted there, we're not talking about a torn ACL. We're not talking about one foot injury. We're not talking about two foot injuries. We're talking about a back injury. We're talking about a spinal injury. We're talking about stuff that is not good for contact sports. That's what we're no. talking about here. This is a situation where we're going into uncharted waters. There were, again, a reason why he was undrafted, why teams didn't take a flyer in the sixth. But again, the Chiefs took a flyer on Trey Smith, and look how that's turned out so far. The Chiefs have taken a flyer on Justin Ross, and again, we will see how this plays out. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The thing I, I would tell Chiefs fans is that we cannot count on him, but we should root for him. 
He, he has all the potential in the world. He looked like kind of a T Higgins, Mike Williams type of ball winner. Uh, he's six, four, he's got the requisite size to be an X. He's the kind of receiver we've been lacking, but there's just too much going on. It's been quite some time since he was a dominant player. His, uh, his, I guess you'd call this his red shirt junior year at Clemson. He had 500 yards and three touchdowns, which is sort of a far cry from the height of his, his, uh, best moments in the ACC, but he was playing hurt, no Trevor Lawrence. So there, uh, there were some things working against him. His college coach, uh, Debo Sweeney, right? Swears by the kid. So I'm not ready to rule him out. I just don't think we can count on him either. He's truly a wild card. I would throw John Ross into this category too. The, uh, the former top 10 pick out of Washington uh, that was drafted by the Bengals, didn't work out, spent a year in New York, also dealt with injuries, crazy, crazy speed. I believe he still has the fastest time 40 in the history of the combine, but just for one reason or, uh, or, or another has never manifested as the true deep threat people thought he would be coming out of college. Uh, he's a little older. He's 27. So I actually have a little bit more hope for Justin than John. Which side of the seesaw are you picking there? Yeah, I would go with Justin, but again, I'm I'm going to be very cautious with both dudes. Uh, the John breaks, Ross, right? yeah, jo- John Ross was drafted before Patrick Mahomes. Funny enough, uh, if you look at that draft, it's turned out to be a very very good draft. But guess what? That was a miss. Can you can you hear me? We're having a little bit of a technical difficulty there. I don't know if it was your internet or mine. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know if I'm lagging or if you or you were lagging, but one of us is lagging. Well, well, John John Ross and Justin Ross, their careers are also lagging. So let's put a bow on this by saying uh, we're rooting for these kids. Smart of each to take a flyer on both of them. You know, their other destinations. They haven't been playing under Andy Reid alongside Patrick Mahomes and. Uh, next to Travis Kelsey. So it is a special situation offensively in Kansas city. If anyone can sort of rescue one of these kids careers and and give them a kickstart, it would be the chiefs. I just don't think we can depend on that. As we fill out our roster, we still need wide receiver help. The next, the next case for CSI Kansas city will be the chiefs loaded linebacker rotation. I'll let you take this one, Sterling. What do you, what do you think? Drew Tranquil comes in, surprises us all uh, because that was a part of the defense where we all felt good about. Yeah. I'm thrilled by this signing though. He's so versatile and he's such a great player. Five sacks. He's good in pass coverage. He was the green dot for the chargers. I mean, you're talking about a well-rounded complete linebacker. This is the first time uh, I talked about Matt Connor yesterday. The first time we've seen some legitimate competition at linebacker. Is it a good position group for the Chiefs? Yes, but they just made this position group even stronger. Uh, Willie Gay Jr. has not progressed how I think a lot of us in Chiefs Kingdom would have liked. Uh, The athleticism is there. We've seen glimpses, but there's also a reason why we've not seen him on third down. You think he should be able to play on third down. The uh, amount of talent and athleticism lets us believe he should be able to, but there's a reason. He's getting beat. So Willie Gay Jr. is just not progressing the way the Chiefs want. And there's just some pressure. This is some legitimate competition. So I actually think if I were to say right now on March 22nd, which two linebackers end up with the most snaps, it's going to be Nick Bolton. I think Drew uh, Tranquil ends up being number two. Yeah, I think instinctively, intellectually, he's more trustworthy at this point than Willie Gay. Willie Gay has all the tools, but sometimes he fails to grasp exactly what's going on on the field. He bites a lot. Uh, so athleticism isn't the only thing that you need at this position. It's very important in the age of RPOs and wide open football. Drew Tranquil, he's no slouch. I know we all think Leo Chanel and Willie Gay are athletic freaks. This guy's, what is it, relative athletic score? He is up very close to 10 himself. So this is not only one of the deepest linebacking cores in the league, it is one of the most athletic And I can see Drew Tranquil playing a lot on third down, probably playing even more on third down than than Nick Bolton, I I think is a possibility. Yeah, well, they have a guy who, again, called the plays in L.A., not San Diego, which I still want to say San Diego. It's so hard, man. 
It's so hard. It's I'm still here saying the St. Louis Rams, okay? It's difficult. But you have a guy who can fill in, uh, if you want, on third downs for Nick Bolton, where we know that's not his strong suit. But you have a guy who can play all over at linebacker. Again, the versatility he possesses is incredible. We're seeing this style. Uh, I, I liken it to the Golden State Warriors in basketball. Almost positionless, Right. Just put your best players out there on the field. And hell, maybe we will see more three linebacker sets with the combination of Bolton, Tranquil, and Willie Gay Jr. Maybe we will see that because there's actually the guys that have the personnel that allows that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe uh, Tranquil played some safety in college. And I agree with you. We should see more base this season. Last year, I just don't think we were in a position to, to play it given our personnel. Leo Chanel, he's he's a limited player at this point. That's what he is. Very capable blitzer, gets downhill, uh, sort of lost in coverage, doesn't have a feel for the game yet. I, I think he still has a lot of promise, but Drew Tranquil is is um, great insurance for that group, for that room. And I think it will be interesting to watch Tranquil and Willie Gay to see, is there a situation where Tranquil plays Willie Gay they let Willie Gay walk, and Drew Tranquil remains with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's a very distinct possibility. Again, um, Brett Veach does a nice job of understanding a sunk cost. Brett Veach doesn't just double down with a decision that he made. Just because you draft a guy in the second or third round doesn't mean you have to re-up that decision. We saw it with Orlando Brown Jr. with what was given up to acquire him. He didn't say, all right, now we have to go into his demands. We saw it with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We, we, we saw that he was a first-round draft pick, and they'll say, you know what? You've not performed up to expectations. This seventh rounder is going to take your job. McCall Harbin, second rounder. The Chiefs need wide receivers. Just because you drafted him in the second doesn't mean you're going to all of a sudden say, well, now we have to keep him. So if Willie Gate Jr. does not step up and he does not perform, Brett Veach is not scared to pull the plug. I think it's a good, uh, a good quality to have in a GM. Yeah, and a lot of us think of it as, oh my God, we drafted this guy with the second rounder and we didn't sign him to a second contract. What a waste. Well, we got four years out of cost control play out of him. You know, he, he's played a lot of snaps. He played valuable snaps in the Super Bowl, made some big plays. It's a really big decision. A much bigger, we haven't really been in this, in this scenario before where we have a quarterback eating up 17% of the cap. Those decisions to retain your own free agents are, are, are much, much bigger when you have a cap hit like that from your quarterback. And in fact, there's really not been any other team that has won a Super Bowl since the uh, the collective bargaining agreement was renegotiated under those new terms to have that big of a cap hit. I believe his cap hit was 4% bigger than any Super Bowl winning quarterback under the new CBA. So if you think about it in those terms, every year these decisions get a little bit harder. And you have to think ahead to Bolton, Creed Humphrey, guys that are going to be more important to retain than Willie Gay. I think Willie Gay is a very good player, but is he a building block is he a potential like leader for this franchise? You're going to have to make some some um, decisions between either player A or player B. Mm. And you, you saw it with Juan Thornhill. He was a starter last year and a fine starter. The Chiefs moved on. McCole Hardman, again, was a starter last year in some extent, right? And the Chiefs moved on. It's a very good point. It's the Chiefs are going to get more cost control. They got to find a way to get it done. They obviously want to get a extension with Chris Jones done. I think that behooves both parties. You saw Chris Jones saying he wants to be a Kansas City Chief for life. He is the, uh, at least last year, the best interior pass rusher in the entire NFL. He was better than Aaron Donald last year. Who knows if that keeps up uh, in the next couple of seasons, right? But Chris yeah. Jones is an absolute game change. You have to keep those guys. In my opinion, right now, the Chiefs have three dudes you can't you can't lose. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones. If you're going with the Patriots method, you can build around the other guys. You can build around, you can switch, you can switch, you can swap, you can make moves happen, but those three have to stay. So I think that's what they're doing. They're saying we're going to save some money in other spots. We're saving money at wide receiver. We're saving money at safety. Even at linebacker, yeah, Drew Tranquil is getting a decent contract. When you have three other rookies on rookie deals, it's not really that much money. That's just the way I think the Chiefs are going about it. I think you're right. Brett Veach, though, is being very shrewd in what he's doing. He's building for the future, not just going all in, all in, all in every single year. They're not kicking the can down the road like the New Orleans Saints or the Denver Broncos. They are not. I don't want to interject one thought on, on Chris Jones. I've been thinking about this. 
So it was already sort of a trend with Aaron Donald, but I think the reason why you're seeing so much uh, money allocated in free agency to inside pass rushers this offseason is Chris Jones really dominated the league last year. And talented edge rushers are very expensive. They don't grow on trees. So I think Chris Jones has, start, has sort of set off this new trend of paying interior pass rushers. It'll be interesting to see what kind of cake he gets when they do that extension. I'm a little nervous about it, but the fact that he says he will not play for another franchise helps me sleep a little easier at night. Hopefully he'll take, I'm not asking for charity, but maybe like, you know, 80% of, of what he'd get on the open market, 90% of the open, what he'd get on the open market, just a, a, a smidge of team friendliness. That's all I'm asking for. I want to stay in the AFC West. Will the Raiders draft a franchise quarterback? They have the seventh overall draft pick this upcoming draft. Uh, They went out and signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Will they ever find that dude? They have to. And I think their offseason has been maligned. But that's a little unfair to me. Because if you look at the contract Derek Carr signed in New Orleans, New Orleans doesn't have any any, uh, short-term outs there. They're giving him a boatload of money. They're kind of stuck in that marriage. Meanwhile, the Raiders are are only tethered to Jimmy G for very short term. They're paying him quite a bit less quite a bit less. I think that's actually, if you look at if you look at Gino and where some of these other contracts came in, I, I think the uh, the Jimmy G is a pretty shrewd signing, especially if he can kind of install the culture that Josh McDaniels wants. But for me, it's time. They don't know when they'll be back in the top 10 again, right? Drafting. And you've got four good quarterbacks. For me, if I'm running the Raiders, I'm moving up and getting Anthony Richardson. I'm saying I have to find a unicorn to compete with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Small swings will not cut it. We saw last year, we, we traded for Devontae Adams and signed Chandler Jones and thought we could compete. We could not. We could not. So, uh, Derek Carr and Jimmy G, those types of guys are not going to get it done in the AFC West long term. We have to find a freak to compete with freaks. So I think it's time for them to take a big swing. I don't know if they will. That's what I would do. I would do whatever it takes to get up to probably the third pick uh, trade with the Arizona Cardinals and go up and grab that that six. He, he's basically a more freakish Cam Newton. Not not Cam Newton now. That's That looks kind of sad out there throwing on Auburn's Pro Day. Prime Cam Newton, MVP Cam Newton. So I could see that happening. How about you? Who's the fastest wide receiver in this draft? That's probably the way the Raiders are going to go. Is Darius Hayward Bay going to come back anytime soon? No, I'm kidding. They should draft a a quarterback because right now there's frankly no chance. You're not going to win with Jimmy G and not with that roster. They couldn't beat the Chiefs Jimmy G in a lineup of all pros. You're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You're not going to beat the Chargers. Hell, you might not even beat Denver with what you currently have going on there in Las Vegas. I'm pretty surprised that they didn't just blow it up. But I will say, if you want a guy to teach someone for a year, Jimmy G seems to be a very solid bridge quarterback. But yeah, I'm with you. They they need to draft a quarterback. I don't know if you have to trade up. Just get any one of those four. Uh, You're not getting Bryce Young. You're not getting C.J. Stroud. I don't think you're going to see Will Levis as well as Anthony Richardson both go before pick seven. I just don't see that happening. There's too many question marks with both those guys. Um, If I were them, I would stay at seven. But, yeah, I think the Raiders finally bite the bullet and try and draft a franchise-altering quarterback. Interesting. I don't know if staying at seven is going to work out for them because you have the Colts. You have – the Seahawks, who have their own kind of bridge quarterback. You have a lot of teams that could theoretically move up. This is what I don't understand about the Panthers. We're hearing reports today that they don't know who they're going to pick at number one. And if I were a general manager... Well, of course! What are they going to say? But, no, they never, no, 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 no. They never no, say not, that. Not, not from them, from people close to the organization are reporting that that they have not made up their mind. They're, they're basically trading up for the opportunity to scout and handpick the best of this bunch. If I were moving up, if I were the Raiders, I wouldn't want to just sit and say, well, if Will, Levis, if Will Levis falls to us, we'll just take him and pray. I would want to move up and grab a player I had conviction about. You know, that's what, that's what Brett Veach did when he picked Patrick Mahomes ahead of Deshaun Watson. I think that's how you have to approach it. You have to go up, you have to move mountains to go up and get your guy. You can't you can't let uh, let fate dictate these these 
uh, franchise altering decisions. It doesn't really matter. It, it's the Raiders with, with um, Josh McDaniel. I mean, with, with McDaniel at the helm, it seems like the team, uh, no one wants to play for him. I mean, you're already seeing lots of dudes leave. They can't wait to leave. Uh, it doesn't look like he learned a lot from his first hit in Denver. It looks like we're seeing a little bit of a repeat. Well, you know what worries me is when a coach has to bring in players, almost exclusively players who've played for him before. Jimmy G, back in the day. Jacoby Myers, I know that guy. I, he's just bringing in guys that he knows uh, would put up with Bill Belichick's bullshit because he's on mm-hmm. the same bullshit. you know. And I, I think the problem with Josh McDaniels is that when you're Bill Belichick and you have that stature, you can be this sort of authoritarian figurehead. Yeah, yeah. When you're Josh McDaniels and you bombed out of Denver and you haven't accomplished shit in your short stint in, in, in Vegas, uh, you don't have that level of cachet. You can't do that. So I, I, I just worry about anybody who thinks that, uh, oh, we're just getting the band back together. You don't yeah. see that happen in Kansas City. Uh, speaking of Vegas, if you guys want to do us a favor, go to DraftKings, use promo code Arrowhead. You bet $5, get 150 in bonus bets if your money line bet wins. Minimum $5 deposit and wager any pregame money line re- or money line required. New customers only, 21 plus and present in Kansas. Gambling problem, 1-800-522-4700-KANSAS. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. Again, promo code Arrowhead on DraftKings. Let's move on to the next topic to investigate. And that is who the heck is going to start at right tackle? Lucas Niang, Darren Kennard, Prince Tega Winogo, is he still on the roster? Or option D, someone not presently on the roster, someone we don't know about that could be a trade, someone released. Uh, we saw we saw this last year. I think Lael Collins got released. The uh, Bengals scooped him up, made him their right tackle. It happens. Or I think this draft is pretty good at right tackle. Are we going to go into the first and second round and say we have to get one of those two picks has to be a tackle. Uh, my, my gut tells me Niang is getting the first opportunity, the first crack. Uh, I don't know if they draft a guy. They probably will still draft a right tackle. I don't know if the uh, what we heard last year with Darian Kennard playing guard, again, if that was a versatility move or if that was a permanent move from right tackle to guard because they didn't think he had the chops to play tackle in the NFL. We'll find out and we'll see. And again, I think this draft will uh, speak volumes about that move. I still think you want a veteran at some point. I think you want a cheap option. Obviously, Andrew Wiley is best case scenario, but you're not paying eight million, three year, twenty four million overall for Andrew Wiley for a veteran right tackle. If you think Niang's still the starter, you're probably going to go out and get a guy on a one year, three million dollar contract, a veteran dude, someone that you know can stay healthy and can be the uh, the backup, if you will. Uh, I think that's probably the best option because Lucas Niang, from what we saw when he was healthy, was a solid piece. But again, we saw another injury we're not there every day we don't know what he looks like we'll see in training camps and otas we'll see what lucas niang how how he's holding up but if it were me i would like to start with lucas niang bring in a veteran and you can also draft a guy as well because i do think in my personal opinion Kennard is probably more of a guard in the nfl than a tackle yeah it wasn't a good sign when they moved Kennard to guard with joe tooney and trey smith entrenched on the roster i mean they didn't and, and allegretti they didn't need depth there so I think it wasn't a depth thing. It was a fit thing. You heard lots of scouts and, and lots of teams thought Kennard was a guard. The Chiefs were kind of stubborn and said, let's bring him in. I mean, what what is he, a fifth rounder? It didn't hurt to bring him in and see if he could stick a tackle. The other thing we're not talking about here is there is some potential flexibility with Jawan Taylor. Now, the Chiefs are going to come out and say, that's our left tackle of the future, blah, 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 blah. But if the right prospect is there and they move up 10 spots or falls to 31, potentially they could draft them thinking that is their left tackle of the future. And there, there are multiple ways this could work. If, if that guy blows blows them away in training camp, maybe he's the left tackle next year. Maybe one year Jawan T- Taylor at left tackle and they bring the, the player along slowly. I think Jawan Taylor is going to be our left tackle. But one thing about that signing is I think the flexibility he brings, potentially being able to play both tackle spots at a high level, was part of why they made that signing. Yeah. Uh, I will also say you, you typically don't want to have the highest paid right tackle in football, especially when he's not a proven commodity. But again, hey, what about Lane you, Johnson, right? The, the, sure. uh, 
but but my, my, my point is if you draft a left tackle, he's now on a rookie deal that allows you some, uh, some flex uh, flexibility in your cap. Uh, Joe Tooney's contract is getting large, large, large. That cap hit is brutal. Next year's not ideal, but that's a uh, conversation for another day. So I do think you have some flexibility with Jawan Taylor. I don't think you go out and bring in, like, again, Laramie Tunsil in my mind was never going to really work. You can't pay Laramie Tunsil. You can't pay uh, Jawan Taylor. You can't pay Joe Tooney. That's too much money tied up on three offensive linemen. No matter how good it would be, you got to find and fill out some spots on the roster. You would literally have, I think you, you're taller than me you might be the red zone threat at wide receiver for the Chiefs at that point that's not gonna fly and I'm not a good speed threat I ain't taking any punt and kick returns I take one hit I'm done I'm out for life so I do think this makes sense though Juwan Taylor with the flexibility again with the potential of trading up or drafting the future left tackle even if you want to start the the guy you might think that could be a future left tackle at right tackle if you think that would help him ease into his career you still have the opportunity to do that Juwan Taylor as you mentioned gives the Chiefs that flexibility and there's less of a gap between left tackle and right tackle than there was in in past eras teams have smartened up defensively and said yeah we're not just going to rush we're just not going to rush Miles Garrett exclusively against Orlando Brown we're going to throw him over there every once and uh, every now and again against Andrew Wiley. So uh, I, I don't think there's as big of a gap as there once was. Also, a note on Joe Tooney's contract: he's restructured before. I, I think they see him no signs of of slowing down. I know he missed a couple games last year, but he is a, an Iron Man, a gladiator. Uh, still looks to be very much in his prime. I think they could work out potentially an extension and keep him keep him here long-term uh, that the cap is also set to explode next year, the year after. So, so hopefully that won't be uh, too much of a burden on our cap number. Yeah. And again, eventually to figure out Creed Humphrey and, and Trey Smith, but again, the chiefs have so many rookies who have been starters or at least impact players. When you have all these rookies making an impact on rookie deals that allows you to do a lot more. And again, it's why the chiefs, even with a, uh, large contract to Mahomes. It's a great contract. No, no, like you mentioned it, but it's not a rookie contract for a quarterback. That's the best time for teams to win. That's why Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, they're probably kicking themselves a little bit saying we missed our boats. Now we got to pay these guys. Now we have to pay those two dudes and try and fill out an elite roster around them. Good luck. Mahomes and Veach and this Chiefs organization, they've done it. They've won the Super Bowl with Mahomes, not on a rookie deal. That's the hard one. They, they've maybe figured out the, the secret to success. Yeah, yeah, it's called having have an alien who's who's not human under center. Josh Allen's the same, not as good as Mahomes, obviously. And Joe Burrow's not the same, but they're they're very very talented. But again, these are two dudes on rookie contracts. Now it's time to pay him. That's when it really gets difficult. And again, why we're not going to see Herbert as well? Sure, Los Angeles is in the same boat. Yeah, and again, it, it's why you're not going to see all pros littered around this team. It's why you can't necessarily afford to pay a uh, Laramie Tunsil or a Tyreek Hill or Devonte Adams. It's just too difficult. And I'm to the point where I would rather let somebody walk and have them be good for another franchise than than overpay someone and have it have it blow up a year or two of our, our title window. That's kind of where I'm at. And I, I like to see, I like to see Veach kind of proceed with caution, not be over sentimental. I mean, it, it's kind of a cutthroat business. We've mentioned this before. It, it hurts to see guys like McColl and Frank and Orlando walk after they want us a ring, but it, we're going to be a little bit of a revolving door. We have to be to keep uh, that nucleus of Chris, Travis, and Pat together. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, uh, the defensive line for Kansas City and specifically the interior because the interior is very solid. You got guys like Chris Jones, Turk Wharton, uh, Charles Amenahu, and then Mike Dana, who did his best pass rush impersonation last year in the NASCAR package. But the outside's looking a little slim. What's your take on this defensive line for Kansas City? Yeah, so... Where it gets difficult is Mike Dana and Charles Aminihue are technically edges, but both rush uh, the passer significantly better from the inside. So you can't play all four of these guys inside. I, I think what you might see some of is Chris Jones kicking outside in the NASCAR package. So because I mean Chris Jones can win outside, he can win inside, and I think you lose less 
in situational pass rushing, uh, rushing downs, kicking him out, kicking Stone Cold out, and keeping Mike Dana and Charles Aminiu in. Uh, Dana just is is not giving you much at all um, rushing from the edge. But both him and Aminiu, uh, they have length and athleticism that guard just cannot deal with. So, but the good news here too is Chris Jones just played probably too many snaps last year for my liking. Uh, I, I want him to be uh, full strength in the fourth quarter. I want him to be a, a fire breathing dragon, right? I don't want him to be, to be winded and, and uh, hands on hips. So I think this rotation, which got hurt a little bit last year by uh, Turk Warden blowing out his ACL and let, let's hope he's, he's back to being himself. Cause I thought he really popped uh, the last in 2021 and, and the limited 2022 snaps he had. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at with the interior pass rush. How about you? Yeah, just there's a lot of talent on this defensive line. Uh, some of the depth is still not there. Uh, obviously, we're, we're seeing guys uh, come back. Turk Warden coming back on his deal. Derek Noddy coming back on his deal. Colin Saunders going to the Saints. Uh, Carl Lodges, I think, is going to start. But no Frank Clark, no Carlos Dunlap. You're kind of missing that veteran dude. I expect the Chiefs to draft a edge Fairly high. I'm not going to hold out my hope for for Joshua Cando or Malik Herring. I'm just not going to do it. But I'm going to take a look at some of the veteran free agents. Let me know your thoughts. Just really quickly going to go down this list and see if any of these dudes you think yeah. might be the next Melvin Ingram or the next, uh, you know, Terrell Suggs or, or the next Frank Clark, even if you will, at least at his current age. So you have Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Robert Quinn, um, I think those three guys, they don't do a ton for me. But the name that really stands out, Yannick Ngakwe. Yannick Ngakwe really stands out for me. He's been with Joe Cullen before. That short stint he had with the Ravens. He's been very consistent his entire NFL career. His least amount of sacks was eight. He's always around the eight to 12 sack range. Is he a great edge guy? No. But is he a solid edge guy who is – um, not going to destroy the salary cap. I think he is. He's 27 years old. That to me would be a guy that Chiefs should take a hard, good, hard look at. I'm in on that. And I think he's such a good fit for us because if you look at the rest of our edges, this was mentioned in the chat that Karloftis can also kick inside on uh, obvious pass rushing situations, those NASCAR packages. And Yannick Ngakwe is, he cannot play inside. And matter of fact, he's, horrific against the run. So he is a situational pass rusher. He is basically kind of a hired gun on third down, second and long, which I think is exactly what the Chiefs need. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a very good move. I think, again, you can still draft a edge rusher first or second round, but he doesn't have to be a starter game one, week one. It allows you to try and find maybe the more upside player that the Chiefs and Brett Veach have tried to find at edge. I think Karloftis, uh, I like Karloftis personally because he was more of a, uh, you knew what you were going to get with him, a guy who could play week one. You didn't know what you're going to get with Boye Mafe, right? There's, there's a couple of guys the Chiefs could have taken a look at, but they're like, you know, we can't afford to have a guy sit back eight weeks and then see what he can bring. So they went with Carl Loftus, the, the higher floor player. But since you have Carl Loftus, if you went with a guy like Ngakwe, this allows you to try and take the higher upside player. I think it's a win-win situation. Uh, a couple other free agents that the Chiefs could take a look at on the open market, Sean Robinson, Akeem Hicks, Marcus Golden, M-I-Z, and then Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell was interesting because he's 36, but he still had five and a half sacks last year, and he fits the mold of that super veteran dude, good locker room guy, been on some winners as far as the Ravens, right? He's been on some good teams, not winners in Super Bowls, but winners in good teams. He's made over $130 million in his NFL career, which I found shocking, by the way. And he has the versatility. He can play in and out. Uh, I don't know your thoughts on Calais Campbell. He's obviously very, very old. But again, you're looking at a one-year guy, a rental. They felt that way with Suggs. Uh, he's obviously older than Ingram and Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap. But he kind of fits that mold. Yeah, I like the idea of Calais Campbell. And what I've heard about Campbell is if you look at his stats – He's stuck at 99 sacks and he is the kind of player. He's the kind of guy that's very cognizant of his legacy and what it takes to get into the hall of fame. So coming to Kansas city, getting triple digit sacks, getting over a hundred, getting another ring potentially or playing another super bowl would be very good 
for his case for Canton. So I think that's a potential fit. I like having another battle-tested leader in the locker room, especially on a young defense that played and basically started five rookies last year. So I would be all for that. Uh, One note on Ngakwe, he's kind of got short arms. And we know Spags is sort of a stickler for he likes these these big frames, these guys with a mini hue has has go-go gadget arms. I mean, his arms are like 36 and a half inches, something like that. So perhaps he would make an exception since all these other guys are kind of spagsy, but he, he seems pretty picky on the kind of player he wants. He usually doesn't go for the, the, the bendy speed rushers. And that is the kind of classification I would give Ngakwe. Yeah. Obviously Ngakwe is going to cost probably the most of the guys I listed. Uh, I will say the chiefs aren't probably going to make a move here until a lot later, maybe even post draft. Uh, a lot of these players I'm mentioning at their age, they're trying to find their one last big payday. Uh, I mentioned this a good amount and I think it bears mentioning it again. Uh, I know a lot of us fans, we, we think these players are going to take these team-friendly deals because they want to win a ring. That's not proven to be the case. We've not been led to believe that or else all these aging guys would come here to Kansas City, no doubt. But we've not seen that. We just haven't. These guys, this is their uh, retirement. When they retire from the NFL, that's really, they're, they're done. They're done making money at age 33, at age 35, at age 36. A lot of these guys, if you're not a franchise quarterback, you're not doing commercials. If you, unless you're Jerry Rice at wide, at wide receiver, unless you're quarterback, you're not probably going to do a lot. Or Michael Strahan, and you're hosting shows on Game Show Network. So a lot of these guys think that this is their last opportunity to make money, so I don't blame them. They're trying to go out there and get a two- or three-year deal instead of signing that one year right up to the sunset. And we probably won't see that right off into the sunset one-year deal until after the draft. Yeah. Case in point, Adam Thielen – all we heard about Adam Thielen is he, he's 33. He wants to go win a Super Bowl. He signs with Carolina. Why did he sign with Carolina? Now he's saying all the right things. He's going on NFL Network and Pat McAfee and saying, oh, I can win a, they convinced me I can win a Super Bowl here. Frank Reich and the brass and, and David Tepper, the owner. Bullshit, dude. You took, you took the bag. They're the only team in the league that gave you a nice multi-year offer and you took it. So yeah, I have some skepticism about uh, teams taking or players taking a Kansas City discount. I will say this though: as the money dries up and the offseason drags along, and guys get cut even even late in the summer, that's when you might see some situations where guys say, "I'll go to Kansas City for one year, pump up my value, get a lot of exposure, win a ring, and and maybe reset my market." All it takes is one guy, but but generally this mass influx of guys willing to take uh, fifty cents on the dollar to pay to play with Mahomes, that's just not going to materialize. Yeah, uh, let's do this one. You put this on the show sheet, and I found it very fascinating. A potential out of nowhere Brett Veach move. What do you have for us? I've got two for you. The first one I, I, I think is super interesting. There's a kid named cornerback uh, Jeff Akuda who plays for the Lions. So he's the uh, former third overall pick out of Ohio State. Fairly big, six foot one, long arms, good against the run, but he's he's just been flat out bad in, in pass coverage. Now he's had he's basically missed two seasons due to injury. He had, I believe, a core injury, kind of like what McColl suffered through, and then an Achilles which used to be kind of a, a, a death blow to your career. But now we've seen with guys like Deonta Foreman, it, it, it's not, you know, guys are coming back from this. So why would he be available? Well, first of all, their GM, Brad Holmes did not draft him. He's not one of the GM's guys. Second of all, Detroit has added three defensive backs this off season. CJ Gardner, Johnson, probably the best of that bunch, uh, they might be looking to move up and get a quarterback too. They are looking at the NFC, even with Jared Goff and saying, Hey, there's no reason Aaron Rodgers is gone. This is the first time in three decades. There's no Brett Favre. There's no Aaron Rodgers. Hey, maybe we can finally beat the Packers. We can make a Super Bowl run. They're going to want to stock up and draft picks and, 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 and take their shot. So I think he could be available. Uh, I'm blanking on the kid's name who was a former first round pick for the Vikings. 
that played cornerback. Uh, the, the Mike, guy from TC, Mike Hughes? Mike Hughes. So he was a former, not, not a top five pick, but he was a former first round cornerback as well. So is DeAndre Baker, right? This fits the mold of a Brett Veach move. I don't know what he, what he would cost. Fourth, fifth, I, I don't know. I'm just speculating, but it is something to watch if we want to add kind of a high upside body to our cornerback room without you know spending a lot of money or draft capital. Yeah. The second move... I'll let you chime well, in. I, I like that. Honestly, he was a can't miss prospect coming out of college and the injuries happened. Uh, obviously I'd like to see his medicals, but the chiefs have cleared a couple of dudes, obviously in Justin Ross enough to uh, get a, get him a contract as an undrafted guy. And then obviously drafting Trey Smith. So maybe they're a little bit more lax in this regard, but I think it does make sense. And I do think it, it, it fits the mold of what Brett Veach has done in the past. Uh, he is a bigger corner, as you mentioned, could be a nice compliment to uh, Trent McDuffie, right? A slightly smaller guy. Uh, I don't know how, I, I don't know how much playing time Jeff Okuda would get if he's going to all of a sudden jump Jalen Watson, if he's going to jump the bigger body guy in Joshua Williams. But I think it's at least worth a shot. Again, I loved him coming out of college. Um, he, again, was lauded as a can't-miss prospect, and then the injuries piled up. But if you want a chance uh, to for new scenery, a cornerback who can tackle, that's what Spags and his defense likes. He seems to fit that mold. Yeah, and both for Akuda and Watson and Joshua Williams, cornerback – that position performance fluctuates more than any other position in the national football league. So just because Watson and Williams were great in year one, doesn't mean they'll be as good in year two. We saw a slight dip, maybe even a, a, a somewhat substantial dip from Legere Sneed in year two. And I, I think he rebounded nicely uh, after that, but there's no guarantees that Watson and Williams are the long-term answers there. I thought they, adapted very quickly and performed well down the stretch. I like both of them as players. I don't think either one of them are sure things for the future. So I'd like to see us take another bet. And and also with McDuffie, I like McDuffie. I think he is more of a sure bet. Is he does he have the requisite size to to hang with DK Metcalf or AJ Brown or even Jamar Chase? Probably not. I'd like to see us get another big body because especially when you consider how much press coverage Steve Spagnuolo likes to play. Yeah. The next name, this would be a harder trade to pull off. I think it's possible, especially after what we saw today with Elijah Moore. So Michael Pittman from the Colts, the wide receiver from the Colts, the son of jacked up Michael Pittman Sr., if you remember him from back in the day with the Buccaneers. So he's a former first-round pick out of USC. Or no, 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 no. Was he a first-round pick? I want to say he was a second-round pick. I, I, I think... I think he was picked. He was an early second round pick. He was picked right after T Higgins. Second right? round. What are we talking like? Second pick of, of the. You're killing me, Smalls. Let me find round. it. He was picked 34th overall. He was he was okay. picked 34th That's- overall, right behind T Higgins, and two spots behind who? Clyde edwards alaire Yeah, I mean, everyone mentions T Higgins when it comes to the Ceh mistake, but Michael Pittman was right there too. So he's six foot four, 225 pounds. He has the kind of physical attributes at wide receiver that we haven't had. You know, Justin Ross is a similar kind of player, but this guy has done it in the pros. I think he's under the radar a little bit because if you think about the last three quarterbacks he's played with, three in three years, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and the ghost of Matt Ryan. None of those guys, all those guys were on the decline. Uh, He had to adapt to their different playing styles. Uh, Philip Rivers had like a had like a little pop gun for an arm at that point. So I, I think that has had to affect his performance. Last year he had Jeff Saturday coaching for half the season off the ESPN set. Hasn't really been the best environment for him to thrive, but I think he's performed quite well most of the times. He's one of the top players in the league at beating uh, press man coverage, and I, I would say his ceiling is a true X maybe a more athletic, slightly bigger Allen Robinson. And that that's very tantalizing to me to add that kind of player to be the possession type receiver that uh, Kansas City really hasn't had in a long time. And Patrick Mahomes has certainly never had. What do you think about this? And I, the reason I think this could be possible is because they just drafted Alec Pierce last year, right? Chris Ballard picked him in the second round, uh, I believe right before Sky Moore. And then... 
the Colts are also one of these other teams that need a quarterback and they're drafting fourth, fourth overall. You have Carolina first, you have uh, the Texans second, both those teams want a quarterback. And then really the Cardinals control the draft at the three spot. So someone's going to want to leapfrog the, the Colts to get their quarterback. So the Colts could need ammunition to get up to three if they have a strong preference on whoever's left. And, it, and we don't know that it's going to be Anthony Richardson and Will Levitz. It could be it could be Stroud that slips. It could be Bryce Young that slips. They could have a strong preference. They also could pursue Lamar Jackson. We don't know. I mean, Jim Ursay is a huge wild card as an owner right now. He seems extremely desperate. So if they need extra draft capital, Michael Pittman is probably their quickest their quickest avenue to to getting a draft pick. I will shut up. I've rambled about this kid. I'm a I'm a huge fan. But I want to hear if you are as well. Yeah, you don't have to convince me. You have to convince the Colts. Right. I think the Chiefs would love to have this player. I just don't know that the Colts would part ways with him. I get your your uh, Alec Pierce comment. And I'm Alec Pierce looked good last year. He's 6'3", 212, Alec Pierce is. So you kind of have, again, the redundancy. But I don't know if the, the Colts are just going to all of a sudden trade one of – actually, their best wide receiver. I, right. I just don't see it happening. I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I would love it to happen. If it happens, you are a genius. You are a wizard. And obviously, Ballard, listen to this show. I just don't see it happening. If you can convince them, I'm all in. I'll take Michael Pittman. I have one wild card for you. No draft capital needed. Richie James. I've been talking about this a decent amount now, so if you've listened to me this entire week, you're probably saying, shut up, Sterling. Stop with your Richie James talk. But I'm putting it out there now. The dude from the 49ers and the Giants? Correct. Correct. Okay. I'm not saying wide receiver one, but I'm, I'm talking basically as a McCole Hardman fix, talking about as a, a gadget guy. Because if you want Kadarius Tony to be a legitimate wide receiver on the outside, you want Kadarius Tony to be a legitimate guy. You want to keep him healthy. You don't want to run those gadget plays with him. You don't want him to be the return man anymore. Richie James is a return man and a guy who came on strong at the end of last year. He's not going to cost a lot of money to bring in. He's 27 years old, so you're not going to have to give him a long-term contract. I think Richie James would fit the mold of what the Chiefs are trying to do. He's the veteran piece that doesn't cost a ton of money. Richie James can be your special teamer, your, your McCole Harbin, your, your wide receiver four if you want, and I think he can make an impact. I really liked what he did with Daniel Jones as the season went on. He was their wide receiver one, basically. Richie James took some hits over the middle and got right back up. I'm a big Richie James supporter. He would love, and I would love to see him here in Kansas City. Yeah, and, and he kind of had a rough road in in San Francisco, it seemed like. But we all know that Kyle Shanahan has had some interesting personality conflicts with receivers. Brandon Ayuk, who's immensely talented, basically was in the doghouse for half the season for who knows why, right? So I'm not going to count that against him. And he he wasn't in a great situation last year with the giants, Daniel Jones, I don't think, I mean, I know he's paid like a marquee quarterback, but he is certainly not one in my eyes. And outside of uh, Brian Dable doing smoke and mirrors, that offense did not have much to offer. And he came in, he showed out. I, I, I like that. I also like somebody, anybody that can take Kadarius Tony off of punt return. Now, if we, if it's uh, the end of a big game or a playoff game and you want to kick Kadarius Tony back there in a big moment because we we all saw in the Super Bowl he can deliver in those situations. That's great, but I don't think he's demonstrated uh, himself being enough of a model of health to to play on special teams. Yeah, uh, or, or quite frankly, you, you point out even on I, I don't know that I I mean it, it, it's thrilling watching him take a handoff out of the backfield or do a ton of these end arounds, but we I think he's bigger than that. You know, at some point Tyreek Hill became bigger than than what all can we do with him it's that this guy is our wide receiver one we need him to win we need him to get open and we can't have we can't that can't happen if he's on the sideline yeah again you hear it now richie james cheap deal not expensive uh, he's not going to be a splashy dude but it's a dude that would fit this chiefs team very very well and again it opens up like we're mentioning opens up play and opens up the ability more for Kadarius Tony. Come on now, baby. We're getting pretty desperate here. When we're, <laughs> when we're hyping each other up over, over Richie, Richie James. And, and uh, I mean, dude, it, it isn't even April yet. And we're having the, uh, 
the Richie James talk, but, uh, but I agree. I, I would rather see us take, take a shot on someone that uh, may have unrealized upside than I've, I've seen it like thrown out there that maybe we bring Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle back, pump the brakes. Let's move forward, not back. I think this is a, a perfectly acceptable flyer well, to take. everyone listening, I hope you guys loved this this entire Wacky Wednesday. It's been a lot of fun. Adam Best and myself tomorrow, Patrick Allen, and who else? But Matt Verderam in his return. He's coming back with Patrick Ooh. Allen for tomorrow's show. Uh, make sure you guys tune in then. If you guys want to do us a huge favor, first off, like this right now. Second, please subscribe. Guys, we went over 10,000 subscribers uh, yesterday, right before Matt Connor and myself went on. Thank you guys so much for your support. If you guys want to leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. Leave us a review uh, in any place you guys subscribe and get this podcast. Uh, I use Apple, so I'll check the reviews sometimes there on Apple. Uh, it does mean the world to us just, just knowing you guys uh, listen, you guys care, you guys comment. You guys have always done a great job, even this offseason. So many comments, so much interaction. I know it's March 22nd, and we are so far away from the season actually getting underway. But we really, truthfully appreciate your support. Thank you to Casey Birko. Adam, this was fun, man. We might have to bring back uh, CSI in the future. I think it, it is a lot of fun to uh, dig into some of these deeper discussions that we don't have time for always in the regular season. Well, thank you guys so much. Again, Patrick Allen, Matt Verderham tomorrow. For Adam Best, I am Sterling Holmes. This was the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We are out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.